Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. I also would like to say a wonderful Freil Chachanukah to everyone. It's so nice to get messages from people saying we're so glad that we're on, and on Hanukkah, shedding a little light. So just before we go to the callers, well, actually, we'll announce it. The number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I just want to tell you that, you know, I've been taking some new clients, doing evaluations, and those people that listen to us for about now the two years that we're on, all of them are so much more educated dealing with the situations, dealing with problems earlier, ahead of time. It's Mamesh Kiddush Hashem that when there are issues coming, we're able to deal with it and helping. And then sometimes they get cases where they're not listening to us. They're not, they're not just us. I'm just saying getting awareness as to what's happening. And Nebuch, you can see that there is there's so much more, like lacking awareness, there's so much more work that has to get done. So it's just such a source, even for people that are going for therapy, just hearing the programs, getting the concepts, I can just see it continuously. So on this time of Hanukkah, when many times there's darkness and we feel the way this cheshach all over, to recognize that there's also so much light out there. So thank you, Rav Nissen, for being able to make this program happen. Thank you, and thank you, Kadosh Baruch Hu, about it, you know. It's really, it's really, really uh, our great privilege to be a part of uh, a small, tiny light on the darkness around us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. So again, the number to call and to ask your question and comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we are going to start with Mrs. L. Mrs. L, you're on the air with and Harav Nissim. Yeah, hello. First of all, thanks so much for all you do. Your book and the shows and your lectures, I really, and my husband also, we really, really enjoy them. Actually, last week, someone mentioned about the Gaia relaxation. I've shared it with several people, and we also found it fabulous. Now, Thank I have you. two questions. Yeah? Yeah, go ahead. So, number one, how could I stay calm? Say, now, Charles Hanukkah will go to a home that is full of anxiety. They're not aware it's so much anxiety. Screaming, shouting, degrading kids. How could I stay calm in such a surrounding? Well, let me share with you that question, Harv Nisna. I'd like you to address it as well, because this is the most classical issue that comes every yuntiv. Not just your family. This is every family has got a certain situation, a certain family member, a certain cousin, brother, sister-in-law, someone that when they're involved, there's always tension, and it could take one or two people. That's all it takes, and it will ruin an entire party or an entire family simcha of tons. Harvnison, what do you say? What's the secret to this? <laughs> the, the secret is a deep breath. You know, just take like a, yourself. You know, first of all, see that uh, uh, number one is the the peace, the peacemaker. We know when you we are we are Jewish people. We're looking, we're seeking for peace. And uh, but basically, this is our obligation. Every day we say, after the we have to love each other. And I know, and I know, and I know that it's not easy. It's really not easy. It's enough that somebody will trigger you, and you can go off. But look in the positive side that we, we even in Pesach, we are sitting with the four of a kind, four, uh, with the Rasha, even the Rasha. We're sitting together, and we listen to him. Just, you know, uh, I would say that it's very easy to say and it's uh, difficult to 
light, but working upon yourself. And I know that uh, if you know a little bit uh, some breathing technique, you know that uh, I'm very great uh, believer in uh, this uh, matter that you take a, a deep breath, you know, with the stomach, holding uh, holding it for six seconds and release it. You know, it's 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 kind of exercise for a minute and a half that give you a, a little bit peace in your mind, you know. And sometimes, you know, just look look around and think about something happy, think about something funny. That was just. Try to move your uh, attention from this kind of annoying uh, situation that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to add on to that, which is <coughs> to be aware that when families get together, there's a lot of stress that happens when people get. And there's a lot of underlying issues that are happening. Now, the question is, are you going to start getting involved in all of them? Are you going to start getting caught up into the fear of how do we stop the fight and what happens if this happens? Or are you going to start being part of the light of how do we bring calmness? Which means you might call up with a couple of your cousins or a couple of your sisters and say, let's plan out the evening how we want. So we're going to play dreidel. We're either going to sing a song. We'll either serve the food. We're going to make two, three games. If a fight breaks out or if someone is tense and nervous or someone has complaints, we'll just change rooms. We're not going to fight. The goal is not to fight. The goal is not to be against. The goal is to say, I am standing up for what I am. And that is, again, the whole nace of Hanukkah. Let's recognize what happened. The entire world, it did not make sense logically how a couple of people, there were no radios, there were no ways to connect one side of Eretz Yisrael to the other side, and once people heard that the Maccabees, that they stood up to the, to the Yavanim, what happened is, Cholesterol got together. It's about standing up and not needing to know where it's going to go. So what are the chances that you would be able to plan and understand that there might be bigger dynamics happening? It means you might not be able, if a person is in major pain, and if that's going to cause a whole fight in the family or someone's very nervous, it's very hard for you as a daughter, a nephew, a niece, a grandchild, or whatever you should be, or even just a neighbor, when that person's in such pain. But what is in your power is to be able to say, who will I connect to that you could do? I should connect to some family members to make it a calm and relaxed atmosphere, you say? Let me clarify. Not that you will make it calm and relaxed. You cannot, we cannot change others. It means if someone right. is in pain, you can't get them calm. But you can prepare. What can we be proactive to have games so it should avoid some fights? Or what happens if tension and anxiety does break out? What are the next steps that we can do without dealing with the other person? It means maybe we could just change rooms and continue playing dreidel. Maybe we say could make Shabbos, let's say, what could we do? Say, say that again? Say on Shabbos, let's say, what could we do? Again, notice how you're asking me questions. You haven't even given me information. How many people are going to be there? What, um, who's the person that causes the anxiety? Now, I don't know if I want you to answer that because the, your family members are going to be listening. And we cannot remove this from here. So right. I need you to recognize the choice that you're making. So it probably won't listen. So let's say it's a household and it's the mother and and the children. It's the anxiety, and I'm coming more. Are you the only person that's not anxious? Basically. Then Basically. it's a very difficult story. Then how is it that you're the only person that's not anxious? 
to be more blunt, sometimes you're, sometimes you're the only one that is anxious. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no really not. I'm, I'm not part of the family. Ah, so then... I'm an outsider. No, so I, I'm, I wouldn't say an outsider, but it's not my immediate family. Okay. Then is there a way to you to find where you should go? Let's say any neighbors that you can spend some time with. Take one of the take one of the family members and go for a walk outside. Try to make other plans other than sitting right. there. Right. Good. Let's understand. If there's an environment of let's assume there's a family of seven family members and all seven are tense, and you need to be in that environment. Usually the goals are how to occupy yourself in other ways. You might want to get a nice book on Hanukkah and read it in bed. You might want to have the suit as quick as possible. You might want to go to a friend. And they might ask you, oh, you're finally coming to our house, and all the screaming and screeching is going on in the background, and why aren't you staying here more? And if you're going to tell them, well, don't you realize your house is anxious and nervous, I don't know if that's the time to do it. But what might be the way what else can you do? Say that again? They just have a different excuse. That's right. Therefore, it doesn't pay to really explain it to them. The goal is to see, so what can you do? How can you take care of yourself? Do you have somewhere else that you can go to some of the time? So if there are long Friday nights, can you go somewhere for the Friday night Suda and be there a while? Shabbos afternoon is less time. Could you maybe say, I'll, I'll babysit one of the kids. We'll go to a little park or something that's around there. So you're out of the house. You might even take one or two of the siblings that are easier. You understand? Many times there's anxiety yeah. in a family when everyone gets together. It's a dynamic that's like gas all over and all you need is a little spark to light it. But if you can take two family members and this way you break the spark, you, you prevent the spark from taking off, from igniting, then it gets a lot calmer. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. One other my second question? Possible, what, let me ask you another question. Is it possible for you to take along another family member or another relative or a friend there? Because if you have another person that's healthy there that's not triggered, then the two of you don't find it. You don't take it personal when they're going into their games. I have my husband, which is also um, not a lot better than he was, I would say. And Wait, yeah, say again, hopefully you have your husband? between the two of us, we could, we could be calm within ourselves. Be your goal. Excellent. So you would be planning with your husband ahead of time. Listen, we know at the Suda's when the battle gets hot, so at the Suda we're just going to go two minutes to our room. Or after the Suda's when everyone wants to start having the fights and who's right, so then we take a walk around the block. You strategically remove yourself during the tense times when they try to get you involved to be the Shalom bias maker. Like who's right, try to avoid it. Say, oh, that's very complicated. What else can we do? Good. All right? Yeah. Thank you so much. Can I go to my second question? Um, we have someone waiting, so let's do something else. Can we put you on hold? Can you be on hold? We'll go to the next caller, and then we'll go back to you. I think um, it right. will be, uh, Mordechai, I think it will be impossible because our phone system would be call her back. Okay. Let's do it short and uh, try Let's to. do it short and sweet. Go ahead. My question is not that short. Hopefully the answer will be short. Basically, my mother-in-law comes on me and she like complained to my husband so that went once and my husband tried to explain my like basically she had like telling us why we made a certain decision and something else as well and she like complained once and complained twice and complained again so then I wrote a letter to explain myself to take the blame even though I wasn't at fault and 
I didn't hear anything back from her. So my husband asked her if she read the letter. So she said yes. And she said she also showed it to to my father-in-law. Now, I didn't hear if she was happy with the explanation, if she still has Tamas, if she would want me to do something else. She, she like, didn't say anything. Tomorrow I'm meeting her in school, and I feel as if the situation is open still and I would love it to be just to hear from her a little word that it was okay or that she's okay with me that she's happy could you help me like how to deal with it now I will tell you that your question can be so complicated that I do not want to walk into a minefield let me just share with you three reasons why it could be complicated it could be complicated that your mother-in-law just said comments and many times people say one thing but they mean another and since you said it three times, instead of you discussing it with her, you wrote down the answer. Step one. So my husband explained my point of view, but I know, like but you didn't. didn't. Help, you didn't. Again, but you didn't complaint. explain it to her. Notice, notice, she gave the comments to you, and your husband spoke for you. No, no, no. She no. didn't speak. talk to me. No, no, no. She spoke to my husband. So that's why my, I didn't really want to get involved, so I left it to my husband. When she complained to my husband again, that's when I just wrote this letter. All right, so again, you have not spoken to her directly. No, because the complaint didn't come to me directly. That's right, and therefore, you writing a message already makes it complicated because you're repeating it, you're hearing it the way your husband said it, the way he's repeating it, and usually what we want to do is we want to try to Find out exactly what's happening. That's where you speak directly. Now it's a lot more complicated because I don't know your mother-in-law. It means I don't know if your mother-in-law is someone that you can speak clearly to. I don't know if your mother is someone that you have to tiptoe around. I don't want you to answer that question. All right? I don't All know right. what's happening. I don't know if your mother-in-law is someone that if you will speak openly with her, then she'll understand and she's willing to work things through. She might deny. Some people will deny if you confront them. Some will say, I didn't say that. Some will make a bigger fight because you're going to repeat things that your husband might have changed something or understood it differently, and now that's going to be a trigger. So usually what you try to do is with your husband, you go down and you speak to your mother-in-law, maybe your father-in-law, all of them together, and just work things out, like discuss it. This and this is what I heard you say. Can we discuss it all together? Direct and honest communication is what works if it's healthy. If so now, after I wrote this letter, we should start again and discuss it I again? I don't know. Yeah, you see, you made an assumption. You see, you made an assumption in communication that what you wrote is what was understood. Now, what happens if she had a different point of view and that was the block? What um, happens if you might have focused on one part the way your husband repeated it, but she had a different issue that was not being addressed? And by you not addressing that issue, she might be taking it all, so she's avoiding everything. Do you notice how there's a broken telephone? Do you know the game? Do you guys have in England the, phone, the game Broken Telephone? Yeah, yeah. All right, so there's a lot of broken telephones going on over there. That's why I said you, your husband, sit down with your in-laws together. This way there's no broken telephones going on, messages. I think you said you should have said you wrote a letter. All that going on isn't getting a response from her and how to work things out. But now you say we should go back and, and discuss it openly, all of us together. Yeah? You see, the word go back, I don't feel it was ever discussed once. 
So I don't mean go back. I mean discussing it for the first time oh, everyone yeah. together. Notice the difference in words. You're yeah, yeah. Using the word go back means in your perception there was a whole conversation that happened. In right. my line as a therapist, I know that if it's not everyone together and discussed openly, it wasn't even discussed once. There's a lot of projections, a lot of assumptions that are going on. I see. Excellent. Great. Um, thank, thank you for staying up at this late hour. I'm in school. Should I, could you just help um, me with this? Or should I, I act as if I, everything's over, as if nothing started, as if... I feel right, uncomfortable. I'll tell you what, I feel at this point, uh, let me tell you, I, since I think you're taking this phone call as actual therapy, I'd recommend that you contact a Rub or a Rebitson that you and your husband are close to, because real, I feel you're taking this as actual what to do and how to do. Well, I'm trying to give you it, uh, uh, um, ideas, awareness. Yeah, could you, you give me just an idea for tomorrow or not? No, no, I don't feel I'm giving you ideas. I feel you're actually taking this as therapy and as a device. You're asking, so what do I do tomorrow? The goal is tomorrow morning you will call up a Rav or a Rebitson and you'll get some advice. So, you know what, I'll give you advice for tomorrow. Uh, not advice, I'll give you an idea, an awareness. You'll see how to take it. The awareness for tomorrow is maybe your husband, since your husband's the one that spoke to her and since he's the one asking, following up, saying, Mommy, I think it's best if we all sit down together so we can clarify the little issues that are happening. So when you meet your mother-in-law tomorrow, you just go, Hi, how are you doing? Uh, and That's all your response is supposed to be, and your husband's supposed to set up the meeting. Thank you so, so much for that. You're very welcome. Now, however, I don't want you to hang up thinking you just got advice. The no, advice we're going to do like, the master. That's right. The advice I'd like you to do is to actually contact, find out who's a Rav or who's a Rabbitson or who's someone that has experience, who's someone that you guys respect, or someone that your in-laws expect, respect, let's say, and to be able to start getting someone to help you out, that your conversation, be aware that your conversation with your husband, you and your husband and your in-laws, might not work out that well, and therefore you still need someone to speak to them and to speak to you and maybe mediate in the middle, which happens many times. We should have them present? No. The first we should have the real present at this um, discussion? Again, just I, I understand it. your question. I understand your question. I'm purposely not answering your question. All I'm saying is you need to get someone with experience involved to guide you a little, okay? Okay. That's all that I'm saying. I'm not telling you right. what to do. I'm just telling you you need someone with experience involved. That's all. Okay, good. You're welcome. Excellent. Thank you we so, so able- much. I really appreciate that. Yes, thank you. And Afrel Chachan. Yeah, Excellent. Bye. We are going to go to Miss K. Miss K. Mordechai and her of Nisim. Hi. Um, yeah, so I have a question. Go ahead. Okay, so I want to know, um, how do you get over jealousy? How do you overcome Okay, that? let's understand the concept of jealousy. Jealousy means that you're looking at someone that has a talent that you have as well, but they're using their talent. Um, yeah, but let's say I think they're have, they have it better than me, or like, like so let's say we have the same talent, I think the other person does it better than me, or... Yeah, we all think that. We all have that. That's normal. Yes, now, how do you... Be, now that you know that you're normal, now let's try something else. Could you give me a list of ten things that you do have? Um, like what? Well, tell me what you do have. I'm purposely not telling you details. 
Um, I have a good class. I have friends. I have parents. Yeah, good. Um, we got four. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're healthy, Baruch Hashem. You wake up, you can smile. You've got someone to speak to. You're brave to call into the phone line, you know, onto the radio. You're confident. You're clear. You probably do well in school. You're probably not getting along well with your siblings. Am I accurate on those? Um, yeah. All right. Do you see how much now? Do you think you're still jealous if you've got all those? Do you know that the people you're jealous of that have all that stuff? Right, but like I'm just saying, let's say um, we're having play and we're almost getting parts. So let's say if my best friend gets a part that I want to, like, how do you get over it? Like, well, I know I'll be frustrated. Mm-hmm. But? Right, so in my book, Alive, A 10-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life, one of the things that we discussed there is that we like looking at people's partial lives and want that part, but then we say we want their whole life means we might warn someone that they got the part in the play, but what about the part because they're outspoken and they're alive? But what about the part that when they also outspoken and alive, and now they could sometimes challenge a teacher or challenge, challenge a principal, and then they got kicked out? Oh, you don't want that part. Then what about the person that's so smart, you really want to be as smart as they are, but you don't want the stress that comes along with being smart? No, that I don't want. Then what about the person that is always the tallest one? Oh, I want to be their height. Yeah, but sometimes when we've got to squash into a small car or when people tell you, boy, you're so much older than you look and they really don't want to look that way, no, then I don't want to be tall. Do you realize that to every strength that we have, there's always a negative? At all times, someone is wealthy, oh, I can travel and go wherever I want to. What about sometimes all the responsibilities that people start dumping on you, that you have to save every problem in the world because you have some money? Or people always driving them crazy, you know, to invest in deals, and they don't want to take no for an answer. Or their children don't have good meadows because they're able to buy their way through things. So what happens is when you want to have certain parts of friends, when we're jealous, we never look at the whole picture. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now let me ask you, would you, want to be the, would you want to have the exact picture of your friend? Would you want to have that type of parents and that type of brothers and sisters and that type of the whole picture? No. Or, no, exactly. So whenever we got something, we want to stop a second and look at the whole picture. Now, Harav Nissen, I would like Harav Nissen to deal with that because this is a beautiful question. Harav Nissen, what do you say to this? I think, first of all, it's a very normal. I said that uh, it's... Uh and especially in this age, it's very normal to, to get, uh, they call it jealous, and uh, the beauty that she is very uh, aware about it. That's right, uh, and she's open and she's calling open. up. How and many teenagers do you know would call up and say, I'm jealous? Usually yeah. they're calling up saying, the other one's jealous, the other one's wrong. And this is, beautiful. this is the beauty. This is really the beauty, that if the awareness that you have, and I would say that you have, when you're doing a vidui in the morning, ashamnu, bagadnu, you can say, in the and the, uh, the letter Kuf Kiniti, I was jealous. It's something that part of uh, their life, you know. And just admit it, and the minute you admit it, and you know that it's ninety percent of the, it's no more. You know, you look in the uh, in the other perspective, and uh, 
I think that you don't have nothing to be jealous and other people has, has to be jealous, but hopefully nobody jealous on you and you wouldn't uh, jealous another other person. It seems like you are well done. <laughs> we have everything that you need. Yes. Yes. Sounds good? Yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. So you're normal, you're healthy, and we all got to work on it, including me. Sometimes I go, wow, I wish I'd have some of this and some of that. And I go, but do I want the whole package? Yeah. And the answer is usually no, I don't want the whole package then. Okay. Okay, okay thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Nice. We are now going to go to Mr. M. You're on the phone with Mordechai and Harav Nissen on this wonderful, beautiful second night of Hanukkah. Yes, hello, and thank you for uh, being over here on the night of Hanukkah. You're welcome. Actually, my family does get credit, and so does Harav Nissen, because I know my kids were actually not that happy that, were I, that I was on tonight. Welcome some to of the my club. kids, some were, but some weren't. Okay, so you have another reason to buy them gifts. Ah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, my question is actually, uh, I know this couple um, that's having some issue, and I don't know if it applies to the line of work that you do, um, <clears throat> but it's basically where a couple met, and they were at a certain uh, level in the religious observance, and as the years went on, you know, the man actually got a little more from, he started, um, he listened to a lot of Musser, and uh, he, he started working on himself in many, many aspects, and the woman, obviously, went about her own way, but, you know, didn't grow as rapidly. Now, I know sometimes when a man or whatever, a woman jumps up so fast, they, they, they can fall very easily. But quite frankly, this individual has been growing for, I would say, at least five years, and they're not crashing anywhere, but they just want to continue growing higher and higher. And mostly it's a matter of the muster helps a person, you know, focus on your daily task, like right? you see what the world is doing, you know, you see what you're around, how to avoid, how to prevent, and being awareness and all that. So the question is really, the, by, by, by recognizing the truth of the Torah and by trying to improve oneself, this individual felt like, you know, anything that's contradictory to that, it feels like revolting. For example, if you have somebody that's like, you know, a check kosherist, you know, here and there, the individual, you know, that's growing says, I don't understand. Like, if you want to eat kosher you know, you got to check. And if you want to make Hashem happy, you do what He tells you. If you don't want to eat kosher, you know, the simple understanding, reward and punishment about consequences, understanding what life is all about. So the real question is, how does the guy, um, you know, live in a marriage, but yet his wife, you know, being at a different pace? And quite frankly, sometimes it can actually contradict, you know, simple halacha. Harav how would you like to deal with this? I tell you the truth, I wasn't, I mean, I just... Ah. All right, the I basic guess. question is that someone is getting more and more from for the past five years, and the wife isn't at that from level, and he's learning more muster, becoming more aware of the world, and the wife, even on some halacha levels, isn't there yet. And how do they work it out? So I, t I tell you this because we, this is the daily dealing with this, and even I can say myself, uh, that when we started, we uh, become uh, so-called from, I don't know, Baalei Tshuva, hopefully that we are Baalei Tshuva, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I, I was the last one, and I know that it was very tough, 
that uh, when my wife come to me and said, uh, let's take out the TV from the house, was very <laughs> painful, you know. <laughs> I said, but the, but the thing is like this, that it has to be working with the couple itself and tolerance, tolerance and working slowly, slowly. I think this is the, this is the word. And if somebody is jumping too much, too quick to the water, to the deep water, and the other one is not, I believe that by action and not by pushing, because if you want to push it, it just create a resistance and will be the, exactly the opposite what, you, what it is. If it's going with love and caring and trying to explain slowly how it's working, what is all about, what is, what is the relationship, it's, 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 it's work. It will work, and if it's really... Uh, I would say if it's really Lashem Shamaim, if the if the guy or the, or the wife feeling that that's what the right way and doing it slowly with with all the good attention and, and above all consult with a rabbi that has a you know some kind of experience uh, on this issue and helping a lot. I know that uh, one of the reason that uh, it was very controversial the the, the Shabbos switch. That to come to uh, to come uh, you know come and raise a lot of questions, but one of the reasons that the guy that invented is was the to to create to uh, avoid some chilul, chilul shabbat in in the houses that has uh, this kind of uh, tension uh, about it. I know many people that uh, the, the the one of the spouses like to see to watch TV during Shabbat, for example. It's it's slowly, slowly. If you doing the right things and believe it, it will be affect the other side. And the only question is, no, I completely understand what, what what you're explaining. It does make sense, but I think there's a difference when somebody grew up, let's say, not being exposed to religion at all, and it's just something new to them, or you know, they heard some negative things, you know, here and there, and now they see that oh, you're happy with it, the beauty of it, they can little by little. But let's say there's the opposite. Let's say an individual grew up in an extreme, um, you know, environment where religion was stuffed down their throat, and they know they know what the Torah says. They just don't want to know it at certain points. No, they like, don't. They, be, right, they don't they, know what the Torah says. No. They don't. They don't know what well, the Torah yeah. says. We, no, we, you're right. You're right. They don't know the real thing at the top, but they know what they think they know with what they were stuffed down the throat. That's Judaism. So that has bitter taste to it. Okay, I, I right. this this is something that you know with the Poresh it's very difficult to bring somebody that already was inside and get the wrong impression, you know, about Yadut, about Yiddishkeit. Because I know, unfortunately, we see the, these cases of uh, kids of the derech and other couples that going off the derech because that somehow the 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 ashkafa in the in the, the the houses wasn't the right ashkafa i would say the real ashkafa it was something that was negiot with something that um many times many times was like forced on a person without any i tell you a few weeks ago i had a young boy here with parents and talking about this issue that in yeshiva that really from from yeshiva that the kids are, are, are without without any any uh, no backbone about the religious, they don't know nothing about the religious. They don't know about the kuzari. They don't know about Rambam. They, they, you know, they know to Gemara A to Z, beautiful. But the Ashkafa, the what is really to be a Jewish person? What is all about six thirteen? I'll tell you, Arvinista. Let me try taking this guy's question on two different levels. Okay. 
Let's <laughs> I, I took over. Sorry, this yeah. is something very, no, very no, touchy. Yeah, yeah we're, we're heading in the past where... <laughs> um, let's just go to the simple level. Step number one. What happens if a husband and a wife are on different levels? Even from... Let's take it... Let's change... Let's not do it from Kite, because then you're getting into halacha questions, and there you need a rub to be involved and to pass in the halachas what's going on. But let's just take on an emotional level. What happens if a husband's healthier emotionally than the wife? What happens if the wife is healthier than the husband? Isn't that the same question? The husband's growing. He's going five years to therapy. He's, he's doing emotional growth. He's, he's learning. He's studying. He wants to grow, and the wife doesn't, although a husband doesn't. What do you do then? Is this question any different than any of those? Well, it, 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 it does make sense. The only little twist, I would say, is the woman is saying, I don't, it's not that I don't want to be religious. I want to, you know, quote-unquote, modern orthodox. I just want to do religion in my way. No, no, so, I, I want you to realize you're changing the question. You've changed it from a question where the husband's becoming frimmer, where now you're saying the wife wants to get more off. No, notice each, the various questions, the way, they're very different for each of those positions. I could explain to you the reason why. Let's say they're both semi from or they're both from, but the husband's becoming frimmer. Here she's feeling, we got married, we started a certain way, you're changing on me. You've got to give right. me time to change. Hold on. That's the way you ask the question. Then you're mm-hmm. saying now, then it sounded from the way Harold Nissen was speaking, that all of a sudden you're saying, but what happens if she wants to get more modern, or, or, or not as much, or let's say if it'll shove down the throat. Now you're even saying she wants to be modern orthodox. Do you realize how different the question is? Let me explain to you why. If a husband and a wife got married on a certain level, and now she wants to change either way, either frumer or less or, or more modern, we want to recognize why are you changing? Are you changing because you're running away from something? Do you know in Eretz Yisrael there's a huge problem of people that are not from, that they are becoming from because they want to run away from some mental disorder, but when they're from, they see the mental disorder is there, and then they become not from against two, three years later. Which means, what's the reason that you're becoming either more from, or what's the reason she's going more modern orthodox? Is there an emotional pain? Is there halacha pain? Is there something wrong with the husband? Is he using now his religion as a way to manipulate her? Is he not doing it on a healthy level? What's going on between them? Did she come with this past? Your question, right. these very general okay. questions, you've got to give an answer to that in order to ask some questions. So notice, you started with one question. We veer to a to 360-degree turn. It's not even 180. I don't even hear a question now that you'd like me to reply to. That's the problem we ask theoretical questions. Right. So, so, so the only thing is, uh, it's everything above is what you said. In other words, I don't know what that is. No, you see, you've asked the theoretical question. You've thrown you me off my base. I have no idea how to answer a question like that. I don't even hear a question. All right. The question. Would you in like a to re-ask your question? You can re- you can rephrase your question, but I don't hear a question yet. I hear someone liking to th- you know you just you know uh, you want to help. You're you don't want to give too much information, and I don't think we've gotten much information out there, other than why I need a detailed question. <laughs> well, so you, the basis. So you can either ask pointed questions to see what the question is, but I no, think that's not how a question goes. No, a question is when you come in with a question. I have a question. You're calling up. What is your question? All this right. Is so not the couple questions. Yes, the couple is on two different places. Um, one of them grew up in, in an extreme... No, 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 let's talk differently. What is your question? I don't want history. What's your question? What is your question? Does, Give me a detailed how does question. A couple, how does a, okay, very good. So how does a couple live in harmony together when one of them sees 
the life that the other person is leading is contradictory to the Torah. They just, uh, hold on, contradictory to Torah or contradictory to their issues or their other stuff going on? Let's clarify. I have a big issue when we bring in the word Torah, because if, she, if they feel it's contradictory to the Torah, then you go to a Rav, and the Rav will clarify if it's contradictory to Torah. I know there was a question many, many years ago where they had a Russian boy was becoming from, and the yeshiva where he was becoming from was debating, I think we should take him out of his parents' house because the parents aren't Shimer Shabbos and the kids, and the parents aren't Shimer Kashrus, so we should remove him. And they brought the child to Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Moshe Paskin, that, no, a kid with the parents, even when the Rabbi Shalom gave us, Klai Yisrael, the Torah, he gave it to us at three levels. And having a connection of a kid with his parents are very important. Before you start paskening halachas, which I don't do, you need to ask a competent Rav that understands all the Shalom bias issues that are going on, all the frumkite that's going on, all the emotional needs that are going on, and usually a Rav will speak to each of them to get an idea of what's happening. So you're asking now a halacha shayla, I cannot answer you a halacha shayla. What I'll tell you is go to a halacha competent rav, where someone wants to become a little bit more modern, and that's a shayla for a rav. That's why I'm asking you, give me the shayla, give me the question. So that is a halacha shayla, not a therapist. Right. Okay, I understand. Thank you. You're welcome. Excellent. So now we understand from your question, now that I got a complete question, that I can't even answer the question. We are going to go to Mr. C. Hi, you're on the Hi, Narvnissen. Yes. Know, just um, a second. Let's just read a message because I, I like at least the beginning part. Hi, Rabbi Weinberger. Thank you. I'd like to thank you for the enormous work you put into your shows. And hold on a second. Hello. Yeah. Hello? Just hold on. I'm just reading a message, and then we'll take your question. Hi. You changed my life and so many others. I am left open mouthed every time I hear your answers and explanation. They are so real. Excellent. I want to thank you for that message that you sent to us, to me, and to Ravnissen. All right, and now we're with you, Mr. C. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. How you doing? Um, I have Barf, a nine-year-old son that he doesn't like uh, taking haircuts. Can you say that again? You have had a white issue. But the what last age? couple, last um, six months, he became very emotional, and we have to really like tie his hands to give him a sh- um, haircut. How old is your son? Nine years old. Nine that is very now. unique. Why would a nine-year-old boy start doing that? Six months. What happened? He had it, he had it um, right at the beginning from his upshare, and then he grew out of it a little bit. And then, then like, in the summertime, he, he came back to it. Let me ask you a simple question. A father or mother, which one of them has anxiety? A what? Stress. You tell me. Again, what's the question? Which one of the parents have anxiety, has fears, are tense, nervous within? Yells a lot, screams a lot, or keeps it buried in, but, like, really has no patience for anything? They both, what, for the the son? No, no, not dealing with it. Which one of the parents suffer from anxiety, has fears? The father. Okay. So what I would recommend is I've had pretty recently, I'm doing now evaluations, a lot of evaluations for people to come to the center towards what I'm working. And whenever the parents come to me with kids, even when you come to the 14, 15-year-old Bacharim or girls, I get one of the parents, usually the mother, because the mother's the primary care, to get work on themselves. Because if we don't work on ourselves, it's going to show up by our kids. So my recommendation is get the father into therapy. Get the father into therapy for six months, and with Lefida Achateva, you'll see huge changes by the nine-year-old boy. What has to be done with that? 
Let's put it the other way. Why do you think families with a parent have anxiety? You almost see it so many more children by those children. Why you could blame it on genetics. Why I don't like it. I mean, even if it had a little fear, though, it could be a little fear. Yeah, though, yeah. What we call little fears, you control it, but it affects others, sure. When kids need the little reassurance and the father or mother can't give it because of their fears, well, they could say things by, wor- by mouth. We could lip service, but... Emotions go through feelings, and logic goes through the logic part of the brain. When we, the parent, have an emotional fear or an emotional anger or emotional concern, that feeling will go across to the children. Same for love, same for positive. I should like, I mean, I quote him almost on every program now, the same memory, but Victor Miller says that if I know Shas, my children or anyone around me will not know Shas. It won't go across. Logic does not go across. But feelings will. If I love Shas, then my kids will feel the love. Okay, thanks. So I'm telling you the same as with anxiety. Across the board, across the board, I work on parents, and the way they tell me how all of a sudden their kids got better, they can't believe it. And I've gotten a beautiful message just recently how I worked on an older generation, where, and it's amazing the rippled effect that goes down generations when you work. I've, I've got a tremendous amount. Uh, I could even thank Harv Nissen for that because of the radio program and that we're hitting so many Older people, quote-unquote, means people coming to me in their 50s and 60s, and by them getting better, it's having a ripple effect on their grandchildren. So I'm telling you, by the person with the anxiety dealing with it, stop sending your children to therapy and work yourself, and you see yourself saving money for your children and your grandchildren. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, it's just a simple bit of information. Now, I'm not saying your kid might not need a therapist at the same time, because what might say you've got to take haircuts. You can't wait six months to get haircuts. But to be aware that when the father, the parent, work on it, you see huge changes all over. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. We are going to go to Mrs. M. Mrs. M, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, yep, my pleasure. I have a question. Um, Baruch Hashem, I have great relationships with all my siblings and my friends and my family, except with one brother, and it's not such a big deal because we only see each other once in a while at my parents' house for Shabbos or some class. Um, and I just don't like him at all. I just... I just can't, I can't seem to like him and get along with him. And I, I really wish that I could. I just don't, for some reason, I just don't like him. And I'm just Let's wondering, like, Let's take a step like, back. Well, How do your other siblings get along with him? It's fine. They're all fine with him. I'm the only one that seems to clash with him. Like, Good. everything so that now he let's, says now, and does... Hold on. Let's take a step back. In the type of therapy, in the subconscious theories and systems that I believe in, it's always about us. What would you say is your difficult? How do you get triggered by him? Not assuming he's the problem. What's your problem that you get triggered? I don't know what the problem is. It's just that whatever he says and does... No, no, no. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's let's step back a second, and let's try to go back to you. Think about it. When you speak to your brother, what does he trigger in you? Does he trigger doubt? Does he trigger, let's say, where he blames you and you actually, part of your brain says he's right about some of the stuff he says? Is it that you can't communicate, that you can't get your thoughts across to him? Do you see him not being well, which mirrors some of your anxieties or fears or stresses? 
When you see him or you don't take it more to you, we don't deal with, you see, a therapist can't deal with, I don't know why. We can't heal that. It's like going to a doctor and saying, I'm here, I have no idea why. Are you healthy? Is this a well visit? Is this a sick visit? What's going on? I don't know why. I'm just here. What we want to help you mm-hmm. do is we want to help you identify why. I don't know. It's, I don't want to not like him. I wish that I would like him. I just don't. And I don't know why. Like, why? Like, what is it with him? Like, everyone else is great. And All right. Him, so I'd like to thank I you for calling like in. I appreciate, I appreciate you calling up. And when you'll be able to start identifying, if you could take out a paper and write down 10 issues that when you speak to him that you get triggered by and you start knowing why, call up next week and I'd love to help you out. Uh-huh. Okay. No, it's when you can start going into the what I don't like, what I get triggered, that's when we can help you. So we need a okay. little bit more Thank awareness you. when you're calling in. And then, Merit Hashem, we will be able to help you out. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Great. Sure. Frel Hanukkah. And the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we've got Mrs. Double. Mrs. W, you're on there with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello? 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 Mrs. W? All right. If you're not on, then we'll go to Mrs. L. I or L. 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 Mrs. L, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi, is that me? Yes, it's you. Oh, I'm hearing you very quietly. Let's try. Hello? Okay, good. Let's okay, good. I hear Hi. you loud How and clear. You? I just want you to know that. Baruch Hashem, fantastic. First of all, thank you so much for everything you do. It's unbelievable. The good part of your phone line is that it's open for free for 24 hours, so if there's no one to talk to or no one to turn to, you can always call Mordechai Weimarger's phone line, and it's absolutely amazing and very helpful. Thank so you. Thank you for That's that. an honor. Good. Let me ask you. Um, my husband is smoking since I got married. I married for three years. I would like to know what my role is to help him stop smoking, number one. And number two, is there any tips and tools to help me um, stop, you know, stop him from smoking? Well, first let's go number your one, your role. Why don't you ask not? him what is his role? What is your role in his smoking? Um, I don't like it. <laughs> I already we know your him. role. I didn't ask you what, what's your role. Well, let's, let's rephrase it. I understand your role in when he smokes. We know that. Yeah. But what's your role when he smokes in his world? Um, I think there's no role there. That's right. I think I, the role is just be quiet. This is what I want to do and accept it, right? Yes, absolutely. Ah, so now let's change your question. So what does a married couple do? Because this is now the most normal question. Now you've just had a question that 100 out of 100 married couples have. What happens when my husband or my wife does something that triggers me I want them to stop to change, or I want them to start doing something, and they don't want to do it. Um, right? Um, is it considered one of the addictions out there, like in the mental health field? Oh, uh, why are we jumping to addictions? We just took a question. No, not at all. I didn't think it's an addiction everyone. at all, but I, I just want to know, because I believe that it's, I'm talking about health wives, too. Like, I don't think Of course, that you it's... always talk about health wives, the wives, when they're trying to change their husbands, <laughs> or the husbands that's changing the wives. I it's always so. about that. Watch this. My wife's on the phone the whole time. Is it an addiction? It's not right. She's doing it when the kids are home. Let's try something else. My husband's on his cell phone when he's finally home with the family. Isn't that an addiction? I want to help him for his sake. 
But oh, isn't it different? my wife is busy eating too much. She's, I think she might have a, she might be, oh, what do you call that? I'm the therapist and I just forgot the term for it. Um, she might be overeating, binging. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to like help her for her sake. Right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's, so I can we quiet. stop all the rationalizations and can we start going that it might be a health issue, it might be all those issues going on, but there's something like a concept of like a Marcus Medino, that something that everyone does, the whole world does. Yeah. Now, yes, you have a right to change it, and you have a right to ask him to stop, but you also have a right to understand that it might take him a while. So think about it this way. I wonder if you would tell him, I know it's so important for me for you to stop smoking, and I know it's so hard that you ask me to stop something major that's so hard for me, but you want me to stop, and maybe we'll do it together. How does that sound now? Um, it sounds like a deal. The funny part uh, is that he, I already managed to help to stop him. Like, you know, I already communicated and it worked. But then, in the end, it fudged. Uh, my question, I wonder if it's a communication issue now, or I guess he's just fed up, like, leave me alone, let me just do what I need to do. Well, it could be. Well, you have to recognize you're asking, you know, there's a scale of 1 to 10. If you mm-hmm. ask someone to change a number 10, a, a difficulty 10, you've got to give it a while for it to change. Things right. don't just stop all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I still want to go back to my first point that I just mentioned. I shouldn't say first point, this last point that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he stopped. You know the amount of times I speak to husbands that they stop because the wives pushed them, but really they didn't stop, <laughs> or really they're not interested, or really they're saying, you know something, you just drove me crazy so many times, so I'm doing it, but really I don't think so. And that's why I offered you to offer him as well. I am willing to stop in something that's important to you. This way they feel, oh, she's not just doing it to control me. She's actually willing to give up something on her part. Uh-huh. I heard many, many, many years ago a beautiful var. One of the one of the real nice vartals that stay in my mind and says that, you know, all the neviim were telling Claudia so that we have to change and do tshuva, and unfortunately we really didn't listen. But Ezra, it's in Perik Tess where Ezra comes back there to Sral to see what happened to Claudia Sral, and all of a sudden he sees a little bit that was left that he got them to go to Yerushalayim. It was terrible. I don't want to go into what the psukim were saying, what we were doing. So what Ezra did is he went into, Ezra Saifi went into the center of the town. He ripped the clothing, put on the sack, the ash, and everything. And he started saying, Rabbi Nishleim, look how bad I am. And look at what's going on. And look at all my Averis. And the Pasuk says, first, the Skenim saw him in the center. And they saw his real tears that he start, that the Skenim came. And then everyone came before, you know, by the end of the day, all of your Shalayim was there crying and doing tshuva. And what I heard from an unbelievable God will say as follows, says when we're busy yelling at everyone else as they should change, the very rarely do they change. But when we talk about ourselves, mm-hmm. how what we did, then we see it changes in others. So I know you're very busy and focused on your husband and his health, and you actually are right. I'm, I'm a very big believer in anti-smoking, I should say. I don't smoke, and I don't like it at all. Right. However, if we want someone else to change, it's how are you going to join them in battle? So I wonder if you really tell your husband, I know smoking is from a 1 to 10, a 10 to you. Ask okay. me to stop a 10, and I will see how difficult it is for you, and I'll appreciate how much your struggle is. And if I fall a couple of times, I will be honest with you, and this way we can both work together. What are the more chances and the more likelihood that your husband will really stop and there will be major changes? Uh, I would say 100%, definitely. 
It sounds like a deal. Beautiful. But are you leaving room for you to make a mistake, for you to fall as well? Right. Because when he's going to ask something hard, remember, you're used to something for years. You're sure you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he won't feel attacked that way, right? That's right. And he'll also see that you're sincere. Right, exactly. Okay, so I guess I'll try that. What do you say to this? What do you say to this question where a wife would like the husband to stop smoking and later on he falls back again, he smokes? <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I was one of these smokers. Yeah. I, to, I, was, and I know it's very, very tough to, to stop smoking. And uh, it's all together. It's uh, addiction to nicotine. It's addiction to habit. Everything together, you know, it's something that... And it's going to work. And when you, it depends also with the job side. If you're working in the job side, that people smoking around you. But I, I would ask the the lady if you, you have kids. Yeah, I have one one little baby. Okay, so this is the the opening of stopping smoking. You know, right? I, so I I have a rule that when I'm with him with a baby, then he shouldn't smoke, so, and okay, that so. actually, I mean, it's not a rule. Not as a, I'm not a dictator, but that actually does work. I it's, mean, he it's, understands it's, that it's not, not, to, you know, it's not healthy. You don't have. So to. he usually doesn't smoke next to my son, but I it's still like not not the best idea. You know, smoking it's at not, all. It's not your son, it's his son also. So, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, and right. I would say that his, his uh, awareness about smoking also for his child is, is very careful. And I believe that uh, to feel, uh, and just, you know, I want to tell you for my I used to take out in the cold, freezing days, get out from my house and smoking outside in a porch. And it's really a stupid feeling. But somehow, it has to be uh, coming from you inside, and they make the decision, and it's not easy. Not easy. Did you stop a smoking? Patient. I started smoking yeah, 20, 23 years ago. Wow. And I wow. used to smoke heavy. What so was your I, trick? Uh, the trick is, was, I tell you, my, my, my daughter born, and I said, that's it. And I, I tried many times. I stopped for nine months, for one year, and I, go, when I fall down. It's, you know, it's like the excuses, attention, excuses of jobs, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, when you just, uh, and I tell you also one th- small trick, I don't know if you, you know what is gloves? Gloves is the spice. Gloves, it's looking. Yes, like a, yes, uh, yes. Uh, this is when you you take it like a, like a candy and you, you suck it like a candy. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you smoke, it doesn't give you any taste of the cigarette. And, and, and second, this gloves as a medical uh, uh, benefits, like it's like cleaning the lungs, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. a medi- American medical associates use it, uh, uh, the dentists use it as a, as a numbness and antibiotics. So oh, it's wow. very good. And it, put it in a small box and you're giving one, you, before you want to smoke, put it in, in the mouth. In the beginning, it's strange taste. But it's working. Uh-huh. And I know that many, many of my friends, many of my, my uh, people that I know we use these techniques, and it's working very good. Wow. Okay, great. I'll definitely try and it. patience, patience, you know, it's not, it's not simple to, uh, to live this habit. Bad right. habit. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's why I called Mordechai. I thought you had some magic tricks. <laughs> yeah, we do. We just told it to you. Close. <laughs> yes, I hear you. you I go. hear you. I'll definitely um, offer it to him. Yeah. Okay, thank right. you so much. So, I greatly appreciate your work and your helping many others. You're welcome. So I'll tell you, since we have one minute left, let's discuss a second the concept of smoking. And just to finish off with this, with this idea that it's beautiful that the awareness has come into the Kahilas, to the community, especially in the firm world, 
where smoking is not acceptable. In the Goyesh world, if you ever go to a business meeting, lawyers, doctors, professionals, and you pull out a cigarette, you're like, look at, oh, you still do that. And what's nice is that there's a healthy concept that has gotten into the world, which is, are you exercising? Are you watching what you're reading? Are you taking care of yourself? And this is something that's beautiful, and may we be zeichel that, you know, if unfortunately the negative stuff of the world gets in, at least maybe this little positive of being conscious health awareness and taking care of ourselves will come in and take care of her. Nissen, what would you like to say? I said you are right 100%. Unfortunately, I saw it right now, and... and and yeshivot, and unfortunately, really, really, that I think the rabbis and the teachers as to what concentrate on this issue, because the youngsters is feeling like it's cool to smoke, and I think it's very a uh, big job uh, for for our t- educator to start to p- put it in our head. This is smoking is dangerous. Yeah. It's not playing. And I know that people trying to come. See, I personally this. think that they're getting it. I know 25, 30 years ago, there used to be sm- smoking in the Bismedrish. Yes. Now, there isn't a Bismedrish that, that they're allowed to smoke. Yeah, I think the concept, the shifts that have changed from 25 years to now is unbelievable. And it is because of our leaders and because of everything that they're saying and uh, doing. I, said, so, I, said, I want to, say, to add something about the electronic cigarette. Yeah. This is really... Oh, that's the uh, new problem. It's yeah. a new problem, and people don't realize that you can get... Worth, and I know many people that used to smoke, you know, and you know, I don't know if you remember, Dov Rabinovich was just one of the sure. most, you know, he got uh, nicotine poison from this. So, really? yeah, so it's it's really something that has to be taken consideration also. That don't think that you think electronic is not uh, as as a lot of effect and dangerous to the body as as you as a same like the cigarette, if not more. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all. Thanks again. Thank you very much. You're welcome.